Hey guys, welcome to Cover Three Sports. This is Matt, Dave, and Nick. Say hi, guys. Hey, what's up? What's up? We're coming to you today to talk um, about a lot of stuff, but mostly March Madness. Uh, we're going to go through our March Madness uh, picks, at least for the first round picks. We'll talk about some surprises, upsets, all that stuff. Uh, we'll mention each game a little bit and at least talk about our pick, but we're not going to go deep on every game because that would leave us here for like hours. <laughs> but um, we'll do that, and then we'll end up going into our quick takes. We're going to get a little soccer from somebody besides me. We're going to get a little bit of basketball to go along with our basketball. And then we're going to talk a little bit of NFL free agency in a humorous way. Um, but before we get too dark, deep into that stuff, um, just a reminder – uh, get on Spotify, give us a five-star review, uh, send us an email, right? We want to do some email stuff, engaging with our four fans that listen to us. Um, hopefully, I still see someone from Germany on there in our, uh, in our data. So if you're our German, please reach out. We want to know who you are. Uh, but let us know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, we'd like to grow this thing and involve you guys as you listen. All right. That being said, let's jump into March Madness. David, you want to kind of lead us through how this is going to work? Right. So how are we going to do this? Well, first of all, it's March Madness with a capital M, baby. You know what I'm saying? You guys know <laughs> what I'm saying? You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what we're going to do is we're going to briefly highlight the top five seeds in each region. Uh, because for those that don't know, the March Madness tournament, the NCAA tournament, itself is made up of 68 teams that make the tourney um the for, there are uh four play-in games if you will that determine the final uh four of the 60 of the, of the 64 teams that are in the field and uh those games are actually played there two of them are, are have well one has already played today there's a second one going on literally as we record right now and the other two are tomorrow but those will determine the final four spots in the in the tournament itself but anyway basically yeah the tournament itself is set up uh where the highest seed plays the lowest seed all the way down so you got one versus 16 two versus 15 and so, so on and so forth and uh for the first round of first round of games and hey and the nice thing about this which in my opinion makes march madness probably one of the um arguably the best playoff format in sports next to the nfl playoff format just saying <laughs> um which it's one and done you 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 know you're you lose you're out you're gone and uh so you got to bring your a game um at a thousand miles per hour just get her done kind of thing so um but yeah so after the first round of games uh which are played on thursday this week this uh thursday the uh what would that be the 16th guys right yeah the thursday the 16th friday uh there's a certain amount of games played for the first round thursday friday is uh the continuation of round one and then they go right into it. Saturday, uh, Saturday and Sunday is is the second round. And then the following next week on on again on Thursday next week uh, would be um, would be the Sweet Sixteen uh, in the uh, in Elite Eight. And then after that, the following week is the Final Four. And then finally, the championship game to follow after that. So um, it's it, it gets crazy. I mean, March Madness has so many great memories. It's 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 just amazing. I love it. But today, yeah, I'm just going to highlight the five, the five, uh, the top five seeds in each region. And I guess in my, for me, I'm only doing that. We're going to go over each game, but in the history of the NCAA tournament, the, 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 
lowest seed to win is a five seed. I mean, check me on that. I think that's correct. But I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of Cinderella teams um, that have uh, that have gone far into the tournament over the years, for sure. I mean, and even to the final four. Um, but it always ends up being typically a five seed or la- or or higher, rather, uh, that has won the whole thing. So, but it's still exciting. Hey, really quick, um, before we jump into this off the cuff, we didn't plan this at all. I just had a thought. Um, what's one of your favorite March Madness memories, a memory connected to March Madness that you've had in the past? Real quick. I've got one. If, uh, and this might be stealing from Nick a little bit, but <laughs> well, actually, you know what? Maybe I'll leave that one alone. Can, can I just just one? You said just one. Just one. And it doesn't even have to be like the game. Like for me, it's not necessarily a specific game, but it's a memory attached to March Madness. Oh my gosh. But you can do a game if that's if there's a moment, you know. Well, maybe I mean two, maybe two, because I've got two now. Yeah, okay, I'll do two. Well, one is just, you know, obviously Washington State Cougars, we don't have much to celebrate in many sports, I feel like. Um, but in the mid two thousands, uh that 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 those that Cougs team, those two, uh, well back-to-back years that made the tournament um, as a three seed and a five seed. Those uh, I think respectively there. And I think it was Oh five and Oh six. It was either. No, I think it was Oh six and Oh seven, but anyway, um, it was just so awesome to see us actually be competitive. I mean, that was a team with Derek Lowe, Kyle. Kyle uh, um, oh my gosh. I'm going to Kyle, uh, Kyle Weaver. And, uh, and we, and uh, Baines, which is our Australian giant, like uh, in the, in the year after in the following year after that kind of thing. And it was just so awesome to be able to see us. And I remember uh, us playing UNC in the Sweet 16 and just like having so hopeful and just, gosh, we put up 29 points against them. It was so disgusting. <laughs> like, and what's crazy is like in that game, we held them. We, there was That's a team that was averaging like up in the 80s, uh, upper 80s, like lower 90s in the, over the season. And we held them to 60, like I think it was, I want to say 68 points if I remember correctly. I'd have to look that up to remember. But um, but we only scored twenty nine. It was we could not make a shot to save our lives that game. So that's one for me. The other one was um, uh, Duke versus Butler in the national championship, uh, and uh, it was um, oh my gosh, Nick, what's his name? Uh, Gordon Hayward. Yeah, yeah, Gordon Hayward's last second shot from half court uh, that that would have won it, and it and like uh, maybe like I don't even know, like half an inch the other way. Like it would have been in, and it was like the craziest game. And that was when it was the big three. It was wasn't it, wasn't John Shire part of that? Or no? no he, he, I'm sorry, no. It it was uh, let's see here. I'm trying to remember. Nick, help me out. Kyle Singler. Um. Oh my yeah, god! I can't remember. I Nolan can't remember. Smith. It was Kyle. It was Kyle Singler. Nolan Smith. And. Oh my goodness gracious. I can't remember the third. I could have swore it was John Shire, but maybe it wasn't then. Because didn't Shire and Smith play together, Nick? Um, yeah, I believe that was Shire's, I think, senior season. Um, man, I'm going to have to go back and look. I'm pretty confident it was Shire. It was John Shire, Nolan Smith, and Kyle, and Kyle Singler, I think is what the, the top of those big three were uh, during that during that tournament. Uh, well, we can look that up later. But anyway, so that was my biggest moment, especially that last second. Like I remember watching it at, my, uh, at our grandma's house, and and like just everyone's breath just holding at that. Like 
the buzzer and then boom and like oh my gosh and nick just because nick's a huge duke fan i mean just we just fell to the ground i was laughing nick was uh, you know nick nick was emotional crazy you know and it just it was crazy it was awesome like it just was the epitome of march madness honestly it was it was amazing all yeah, right. I'm gonna go next if you're all right with that. Right. Yeah, go for it's, it. Because it's funny. Um, David's gonna. David talked about Duke, right? For me, and Wazoo, I'm, I'm gonna have to talk about Duke, right? Um, it's one of those things that's interesting. I think Nick, when it comes to like college basketball, you're the glue for us. Because um, I, I love Duke. I remember following Duke because you were such a big fan. But when it comes to like basketball stuff, like the the actual basketball going on, nothing will top the year where it was JJ Redick slinging it out with um, what was his name, the Gonzaga guy, um, Morrison, Adam Morrison. Yeah, you know they're going back and forth for the scoring title for the year. They're blazing through the tournament like that season to me was college basketball like that is the season that everything kind of stacks up for me against um so i remember that that season you know and it didn't quite work out the way i wanted it to in the in the tournament but just watching those two guys just shoot it out for the scoring title and then having great postseason play as well um jj reddick man love that guy he was fun to watch he could shoot it from anywhere um then the other experience when I when I think of March Madness, like if I close my eyes and try to envision what March Madness is, a picture or an experience, um, what it is for me is I remember my first semester at college. You know, I'm sitting in this giant auditorium. It's a 7:45 a.m. class, um, and everybody's just grinding for finals, right? Because it was um, it's towards the end of the winter semester, and uh, or would it be spring? I think it was spring semester. Either way, started in January, ended in uh, March or April. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so sitting in this giant auditorium surrounded by college kids. I know pretty much nobody in this entire city. I'm sitting there on my laptop watching March Madness as this professor is giving a lecture. And I look over and like half, if not more, of the screens Everyone's logged into March Madness and watching it in the middle of class while this professor was droning on about, I don't know, I don't even remember what the class is about, but I remember watching everybody watch March Madness, and uh, I ended up making a pretty good friendship with a group of four or five guys that sat next to me as we're trying not to freak out as we watched games during this class. You know, that's, that's a big part of March Madness for me. So uh, for me, it has to be, you know, I mean, I could go back to, as Dave uh, suggested in the uh, 2010 National Championship, uh, Duke versus Butler, uh, which was an emotional ride of, of finally getting to that mountaintop and winning. But I'm actually going to go for Duke in 2015 championship with freshmen, uh, something that had been very hard to do. It, Kentucky has been trying to do the the freshman thing for geez over a decade well over a decade now and they've accomplished it uh but they have been kind of the only team to ever do that it's very hard to do it with freshmen and uh, that year duke was loaded not only with freshmen but they had uh senior leadership in that and i guess to, to do a little bit more of a backstory on it i have tons of friends that are, are gonzaga fans 
I have friends that are Michigan State fans. And uh, they have kind of a little bit disdain for me in being a Duke fan uh, because of Duke kind of getting better, you know, prospects, which I will say we earned. I mean, Duke wasn't always the top tier. You know, you got to work. I remember, you know, reading so much of uh, Coach K's history and them kind of hanging a doll of him in his first season, wanting him fired. Uh, they kind of like, you know, threw up over a tree and, and actually hung a uh, man-sized doll of Coach K uh, calling for his head. And, you know, then he turns that program into what it is. You know, you fast forward and, and you know, the many championships and Final Fours and, and you know, back-to-back and all that. But in that year, it was, it was set up so perfectly because not only did – uh, I was going, <laughs> I was, uh, oh, how do I put this? I, I was uh, the Lone Ranger through this tournament because in they defeated San Diego State, which every friend I had was rooting for. Then they it set up perfectly facing Gonzaga, who they beat 66 to 52. And then in the very next round, they play Michigan State, uh, which they beat 81 to 61 to set up the Wisconsin uh, championship, which I will say was one of the better back and forth championships that I have seen. Um, there was a point where Wisconsin was up, Duke made a, a rally, and then it just kind of, it went, uh, I think Duke stayed ahead, but it, they just prevented rally after rally of Wisconsin ended up uh, coming out as national championships but I think the intensity of that one I'll always remember just because of the hate you know from all the friends and everything and not wanting Duke to win that championship I'll always remember that yeah there was a lot of hate for uh <laughs> for Duke that year especially Wisconsin was that team even with Butler it's just like small school like the big bad Duke you know just like uh and everything you know um uh, and by the way, I did look it up. It was John Shire. So John Shire, Nolan Smith, and Kyle Singler were considered the big three that year for you guys. Yeah. And uh, there was a guy that actually was the big difference maker. You know who that was? Seven, uh, seven, uh, seven, one. Zubek. Brian Zubek. That's yeah. right. That's my bro. So. And then uh, in this championship, actually to to reach it, it was uh, Grayson Allen. Good, good old problem oh, child. Yeah, I forgot about him. The tripper. Yeah, the tripper. <laughs> All right. So the top five seeds in each region. So in the south region, we've got uh start, starting from the first seed up to five, we've got Alabama, uh, we've got Arizona, Baylor, uh, Virginia, and San Diego State. The top five seeds in the Midwest are Houston, Texas. Xavier, um, oh my gosh, I'm trying. My oh, there it is, Indiana, and the five seed uh, would be uh, Miami, and then in the East we've got Purdue, Marquette. Let's see here, Kansas State, uh, Tennessee, and Duke, and then in the West we've got Kansas, UCLA, Gonzaga, UConn, and St. Mary's. So. But we'll start off with each uh, game, and again, this is just for the first round. And then at the, uh, at the end of this, well, I guess we can we can say who we think is going to win it all. But we're just going over the first round today. Is that right, Matt? Uh, yeah, let's just stick with the first round. Okay, it's thirty-two games. That's probably pretty good. 
I, I think so too. So first game, uh, one seeded Alabama versus sixteen seed. Uh, who Hold just on. To... Is oh, it Texas A and M Community College? Is that what CC stands for? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's Texas A and M Corpus Christi. <laughs> oh my bad, my bad. So does it matter? Well, <laughs> you know, yes, it does. They made it. They actually won today. One of the uh, it was the first um uh first playing game uh, uh this evening that played actually that ended just a little bit ago. Matter of fact. And then uh, Pitt and Mississippi State just ended as well. And uh, that was – both were thrillers. I mean, it was crazy. It came down to the last um, last minute for each game and shoot the last 2.7 seconds actually for Pitt and Mississippi State. But anyway, so first game, one-seeded Alabama versus 16-seed Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to – I'll go first. Alabama for this one. Agreed. Nick? Yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about. I mean, I mean, I guess to give them their their praise, you know, they were 500 team um, just before Christmas and ended up turning around, winning I think 12 of 13 or 12 of 14 games, and but they ended up losing their, I believe, their leading score in the title game. So, uh, yeah, I mean. One in sixteen is just kind of like, yeah, we're just gonna be with the one team. It's you know, it's gonna happen. Sixteen is not gonna beat the one. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is not the team to do that. So one, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, I mean, and, and although yes, it's it's only happened once back in twenty seventeen. Uh, well, actually, technically, I guess it was twenty eighteen. Is when uh, number one overall seed Virginia lost to the UMBC Retrievers. Uh, so. <laughs> Other than that one exception, it's never uh, happened. How'd you Thanks, like to do that one it. team? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which I, I want to say real fast, that's what you get when you sign a contract with a team and then you abandon all those players and end up going to the ACC in Virginia. You become, you make notable career uh, headlines. And I'm glad that he made that one of being the first number one seed to lose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, but come on now. Now I, I will admit. I mean, as a Wazoo fan, it broke my heart. It destroyed me when he when uh, when Bennett left. I mean, Tony Bennett, like he he was. I mean, can you blame him though? I mean, he was everything to us. But I but I agree, Matt. Honestly, like although you're you're joking a little bit, I just I know you're being. No, serious. I'm not actually. I'm I'm serious. Like we see it in college football all the time. So I mean. How do you? Yeah, I think for me, it's when he signed the extension and said, "There's no place I would rather be," and then the, yeah. literally that next season was like deuces. You know, well, I, was just, I mean, I'm not even a Washington State fan, and I was like, "Oh, that's cold." That well, that's fair. I'll give you that. Well, but at the same time, like you know, I, I don't blame. But but yeah, I agree. So him signing the extension was the hard part. But but hey, although they lost to the 16 seed, you know, first team you ever do that, and that will go down. They'll always be that team. Um, the next year they won it all. So I mean, that's fair. You know. All right, then we got uh, Maryland West Virginia. So Anybody eight seeded. Up? So eight seeded Maryland versus nine seed West Virginia. I've got Maryland. I've got West Virginia. Oh. I actually have West Virginia myself. Oh, nice, nice. So in our always, polls, I might get you one there. <laughs> I'm always, yeah. you know, it's always you always gotta look for those upsets. You know, you gotta True. look. Just I have an upset in the next game, actually. So. Oh, that see, and for the, those in podcast world that that you don't that may not know much about the NCAA tournament, 
the most popular upset in ter- in in the history of the tourney is the 12-5 upset is what they call that because uh, that's typically what goes down the tw- 12s upset the fives it just happens it's so when you're a five seed it's almost like this extra pressure because it's like maybe is it us <laughs> right and this i have it being san diego state who gets knocked out by 12 charleston yep so yeah five seed san diego state i i've got san diego state uh, moving on to the second round on that one mighty aztecs the mighty yeah aztecs. i got san diego san diego state myself okay I don't, I don't i'm losing Okay, um, so then on to the next game. We got four seeded Virginia versus thirteen seed Furman. Uh, Virginia, I mean, yeah, talking to Virginia, you know, <laughs> yeah. I have them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I got Virginia myself. There we go. And I, yeah, I can't wait to talk about Virginia in the next round. But uh... <laughs> which, which I will say, which I will say, I mean, regard real quick. I mean, regarding uh, Bennett, he still always he'll always have a place on my heart. Just saying for sure. But anyway. Uh, on to the next game, six-seeded Creighton versus 11-seed North Carolina State. I've got Creighton for, for myself here. Agreed. Yeah, I got Creighton, too. A lot of it comes from, I mean, they're five and seven from the, the top 25. Um, you know, they, they've played a, you know, they played Texas, Arizona. They played Marquette. Uh, you know, it's, they've had a, a, a good amount of uh, competition. And so, whereas uh, the other team, it's two and two. And 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 I usually use this for Gonzaga a lot over the years. And if you play nobody and you don't know how to A, lose, and you don't know how to play of the pressure of, you know, going back and forth, back and forth, and not just front running, it's hard to to go into a one and done and just be able to to win uh, consistently, even if you have the top, you know, top end talent. So to me, I took... Uh, yeah, yeah uh, so gotta, that's why. Right. You got to learn how to handle the pressure, right? I think that's, yeah. that's a great point. Yep. Um, speaking of that, in the next game, you got I have three, big uh, expectations three. for uh, number three, Baylor. I picked Baylor over, who is it? U- UCSB. So we got three-seeded, uh, whoops, so we got three-seeded Baylor against uh, USBC, which is, uh, oh, University of California, Santa Barbara. I do know that go. one. Boom. Yes. Um, I have big things, big expectations for Baylor. We'll talk about later, but yeah, they oh, I on. took I took Baylor as well. I mean, there, there's no contest. They they should win that game. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about uh, one of the more athletic teams, uh, one of the more um, better teams at making hype, um, like you know, beyond the arc and and mid range shots. The only thing that kind of, which is surprising a bit for Baylor, because in the last few years, Baylor's been very um, top end uh, defensively. But this year, they've actually had, you know, quite a few games that they've struggled defensively. So I think that that the, what is it, UCSB, which have all of their top six scores that are 46% from the field, I think that they will make the game close a bit, but I think this is that game where Baylor shows, especially in the second half, a more dominant and defensive play that kind of erases, at least in the the short term, people's like perception of them defensively throughout the season. And I think they run away with it. So Baylor, I, I think Baylor comes out strong. 
So I won't, I won't pretend to know a ton about college basketball because I don't really follow a ton outside of USC, but um, if I remember right, I was reading a little bit about it today. Um, Baylor historically over the last few years has had really good front court play, right? Um, But I believe that they are kind of weak there this year. Their guards play well, but they've, they're kind of inconsistent up front. Um, And I think that's kind of been their knock for this, for the year, but, I mean, you've talked about guard play and how important that is in the tournament. So, you know, yeah, it could be okay. Baylor's kind of been an all-around team. They've had, you know, defensively, you know, pretty solid small forwards. I think um, – and then terrific guard play. They've always kind of had terrific guard play. They still have solid guard play. I think their forwards is kind of more of a situation that they have. But especially coming into this season, there's not a top-heavy team that's like, oh, this team – is going to if they don't run through everybody, um, I, I would be shocked, you know. So I think that this year more than ever, you can see a one to three seed take it. Mm-hmm. And Baylor, if they can put def- defensively it all together, could be that team that could win it all. They're yeah. they're aggressive. They can shoot. So I'm excited to see what they can they can do in this tournament. I'll tell you this, I agree with what you just said there. <laughs> That's what we call in the business a tease right there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. Next one. Let's hit it. Our next one then. So we've got seven-seeded Missouri versus 10-seeded Utah State. Uh, I took Missouri. Motherland has won me over. I got Utah State over Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I, I looked at many different areas and Utah State just kind of it's they're one of those teams that I'm just like I kind of rooting for them. I mean they shoot the ball uh, pretty good from inside uh, and outside and they're one of the most the more efficient teams in their level of, of play and and when I went and I looked at Missouri. Uh, they don't necessarily have a defensive shutdown mentality. And I think this one's going to be a high scoring game. Mark this down. I think this game because both offenses can, can shoot. They can do some things, uh, but defensively, I think Missouri has a problem. They're a bit lackluster at times. So to me, I, I, I took Utah state. No, I, I took Missouri and Missouri. I mean, at the end of the day, I think for them, um, they're efficient enough that they're a top 20 offense in the country, not to mention the fact that they actually are a top 10 turnover rate team when it comes to forcing turnovers. Um, and I mean, I guess the one thing that that Utah State has going for it, it has guys on their team that have that have tournament experience. But no, I, I still think it's Mizzou for sure. So one of the interesting things that I that I see is you want terrific guard play, but you can survive with decent guard play. Or, or I guess you call it lackluster. You can want to give whatever definition you want. If you can rebound the ball, whether you can have guard rebounds with being athletic, having centers or, or, or power forwards that can do it. Uh, Missouri is one of the worst rebounding teams in this entire field. And so to me, if you don't shoot lights out, you're just not going to make it. You, you need second chance shots. And how many times does it go into the tournament where – 
those second hand, uh, second uh, like rebound putbacks and everything else, those those shots matter. When you go look back at maybe two to three plays during the game, you're like, that's the moment that they took the lead, and uh, and they and they won. So as nobody can see this obviously but <laughs> i'm laughing because dave's shaking his head like a bobblehead in the background yeah, the messing me up here now the fact the fact of the matter is is this okay missouri's right you, got, you got you guys are trying to find those matchups to catch up to me just like in the ncaa you know and the in college football bowl games right here's, you guys to here's what i'm gonna tell you guys <laughs> This is the one I know the least about, and the topic I knew the most about, I was last both times. So I think I feel like I'm in a good place right now. Oh, I see you're saying. I okay. Okay. And a little reverse in it. Yeah. Okay. But hey, uh, with my to go into my next point, which is uh, it doesn't really matter who wins this matchup because uh, the next uh, the, in the second round they have to play this the, the winner of this next game, which is two seated Arizona versus fifteen seated Princeton. Uh, Arizona's winning, and they're also winning in the next round. So, yeah, agreed. I'm yeah, I, I, I don't even really think there's much that we can talk about with this one. Again, it's, I think Arizona. I'm not a huge pack pack with a pack twelve fan. Um, pack twelve, say it right. Come on, pretty soft. You hesitated yeah. as if you don't know who we are. We we yeah, want to say, we, we say Pac ten. We, we you exist. Want to say Pac ten, man. Big East, you know, Big Ten, Pac ACC. 10. You know, the Pack is a little. You're just a power conference snob, is what you are. It's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the okay. ACC and everybody it. else. You yeah. can admit it, baby. <laughs> I'm on. I, I like the Big East. T- tell me you look down on me without telling. I like me the Big now. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but to me, Arizona has been a very consistent team throughout the year. It's they high power powered offense, you know, um, good front court. Uh, they're strong on both sides of the ball. I mean, I don't know why I'm continuing this uh, analyzation of the 215. I just don't think that I don't think Princeton's got a chance. You know, I will say this real quick. Princeton create some awesome awesome students <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right where do we want to go next we want to go down to the east let's go to the east let's do okay. it so in the east we've east region we've got one per uh number one purdue versus now we don't know this game yet because they play tomorrow uh but texas texas southern uh versus oh gosh where's it at let's see I don't know what that other school is. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I don't have my the first four in front of me at the moment. Oh, cancel. Whoops. Do you guys have that by chance? What were you saying? I said I don't have that in front of me right now. Who? They, but it doesn't matter. Okay. FDU. Yeah, I don't know who FDU is. Yeah. Uh, Purdue's winning. It's just what it is. They're going to the next round. So Agreed. Yeah. I mean, Purdue has one of the most efficient offense and defenses in the league. Uh, they've been one of the teams that's been the top of the the uh, top twenty five. Um, you know, they played a solid a solid schedule. Um, not, a, not surprisingly, not a very top end, top heavy schedule, but uh, a very midline and and 
a mid-level, excuse me, uh, schedule. It's what they're one of the teams that I I don't necessarily know about. This first round, they should win this game and and be moving forward pretty soundly. But I I mean, they're three and two against the top twenty-five, so that's not a huge sample size of of the top end teams. But at the same time, the top twenty-five has changed so dramatically throughout the year that it's kind of hard to to really uh, take away too much for them. But uh, they are one team that I, I kind of have a question mark. I, I wrote a question mark on my, my personal sheet um, with them going for, I guess, going deep into the tournament. So I, they move on. I understand why you're going so far into this. Like they're your, <laughs> they're your alma mater. Like, I don't understand. Like this is a Purdue guy. I did, I did graduate. I gotta be honest though. I gotta here's analyze a, the team. Here's a Purdue guy going you had to a, Purdue. What's that about? Here, here's a guy right here. Here's a guy that doesn't believe in his alma mater. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that note, let's move on. Uh, eight Memphis versus number nine FAU, Florida Atlantic University. Go uh, Memphis. I've got Memphis. I I do have Memphis. In this one, I it's, this game scares me. This I one, the next one, both, um, <laughs> both. <laughs> so, there's two things in this game that, that are, are the reason why I chose Memphis. So, the negative is Memphis is, is uh, not very good defensively against three point shooters. Uh, they don't rebound the ball defensively very well. Uh, they are a very heavily uh, leaning on two players on their, their offense. And then you have FAU that is one of, ranked, I guess, in the top 50 or top 40 um, in efficiency, both offense and defensively. But um, they – they don't have size. And so I, I think it's the Memphis gets a bit lucky on their matchup where I think they're going to come out and they're going to have, they're going to out rebound and, and be more efficient. So I, while I want to root for FAU in this one, I just, I think it's a bad matchup and Memphis takes it. All righty. Let's move on to this next one. This is the one I'm excited to talk about. Ooh, a, tw- a 12-5 upset, maybe. 12-5, right? 12-seeded Oral Roberts versus 5-seeded Duke. Can I go first? <laughs> go ahead, Matt. I Obviously, I picked Oral Roberts University to upset Duke. Dang. <laughs> but for real. It went down. Throwing down the gauntlet. <laughs> there it is okay. right there. Well, I picked hey. I pick, I pick Duke. So <laughs> <laughs> there's that, you know. Yeah. All right. I will say that going into the tournament, talent is not necessarily rewarded while um efficiency and being like your how hot you are at the moment, yeah, means a lot. If you would have told me mid-season if it ended about Duke, I would have told you that they were losing in the first round. Now they've had some players that have come back, uh, particularly guards, and I think they have a great shot of going deep into this tournament of how they've kind of re-established their identity. They have size, they have um, rebounding ability, offensive rebounding ability. 
they have uh, a, a very efficient, not top end, but very efficient free throw shooting. Uh, the question then remains is can they get terrific guard play to go deep? So now this is an interesting thing because in the history of Duke versus Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts has beaten Duke first round when Duke was a two seed. And at least one 12 seed has won and beat a five seed in the last 32 out of the last 37 tournaments. Right. So while I, I don't like the committee and uh, doing this, putting Oral Roberts up against Duke, uh, I still have Duke. They're, they're way more talented. They're big. They're fast. They can, they can uh, shoot free throws. The question comes down is can they knock down threes? They are a bit streaky at threes. And, but if, um, uh, to me, I mean, uh, I guess the biggest stat is the Blue Devils rebound about 56% of their missed shots, which is a huge, huge margin for, for defensive re uh, or offensive rebounds. I mean, that is an incredible stat for offensive rebounds. That's a good point. So it, hey, it's, Nick. but I guess the biggest thing is, is can, when Duke suffers losses, is if they have, they face terrific guard teams that can push their tempo. Can Oral Roberts do that? I don't think so. I have Duke winning it. So, well, and, and, and here's the thing. Uh, well, just to kind of a little correction here. So it wasn't Oral Roberts that you guys lost to as a two seed. It was uh, Lee High. So, so you, so I don't think you've lost to Oral Roberts before. I don't think you've played. Them. Um, if I can, I take a break real fast, and, and I'm going to run back and just beat my uh, statistics guy real fast and put him in his cage <laughs> that real fast and put his paws on this. Now, now really quick, do you guys want to know why I picked Oral Roberts? Yeah. Let's do okay. it. So here's the number one thing. So our podcasters uh, that are listening, they can't see the video. We're all trying to video podcast right now so we can react to each other. But I picked right here. You see this thing right here in the middle of my chest, just slightly off to the side. It's called my heart. I didn't <laughs> pick this. I had no data to support that, but I picked with my heart, and that's what it is. <laughs> but actually, it's funny, Nick, because Or Roberts actually, um, Wazoo played them. I want to say in the first round uh, back in the mid two thousands. Matter of fact, so years ago. But anyway, but no, it was Lee High. But still, I mean, it, it's still a twelve five potential upset. But I, I think Duke wins it. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but, I mean, they'll, they'll pull together. They got this. Here's here's the interesting thing. I think it comes down to, real quick, comes down to Oral Roberts, Max uh, Abmas, A-B-M-A-S. Uh, he's a six-foot guard and leading scorer for their team. But they have a seven-foot-five center who has Ooh. over 100 block shots. That's nice. Year. That's a nice weapon. Uh, or for his career, excuse me. Uh, and Matt, so Matt's heart's starting to feel a little good here. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and that's going to get I've called crazier things. I'm just saying. Yeah. And so one of the things is, is can Duke using their power forward and center because they can shoot the three, can they pull him away from the basket to give an easier ride to doing layups and Oh, Matt's shaking his head. Nope. He's saying, Nope, not going to happen. Not All right. Gonna work. All okay. right. Get that guy well, under I the like basket and you play basketball. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, let's move on to the next game because we've got because I still think you know what we should what we need to do is because since this by next time we do our our next episode, 
the first and second round will be done. So we should probably do second round as well, which will go quick. It, it shouldn't be take long. Either that, or I was going to propose maybe we try to meet up uh, Saturday morning before everything kicks off and do like a, a quick pod. I don't know. Either way, we can talk about it. Um, yeah. So, um, okay. So going on to the next game then. So we got four-seeded Tennessee versus 13-seeded Louisiana. I picked Tennessee. I've got number four Tennessee as well. Yeah, me too. Though I almost wanted to pick Louisiana just because they're their mascot. They're the Raging Cajuns. Raging Cajuns, baby. That just sounds cool. So I almost wanted to pick them for that reason. It does sound pretty cool. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, yeah. That that being said, so uh, really quick, I make my um, my wife and my little kids, I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, pick uh, brackets for March Madness. And we watch zero basketball other than like USC beating UCLA every year now, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh, – my daughter had the Raging Cajuns almost making it to the final just because they were the Raging Cajuns. She thought that was cool. <laughs> nice. This is going to be an interesting game where talent is going to matter and being able to push you ahead. Um, Tennessee has one of the, the nation's elite defenses. Uh, they, they usually play a, man, a very strict man-to-man defense uh, that is very stifling on offensive production. They have been that for most of the year, but they have injuries and um, they finished the, the regular season horribly losing six out of, out of 10 and that in being inconsistent at three, I, I think uh, it's, it's one of those things that going into this game, I picked Tennessee on pure talent, but what uh, I, I would love it for an upset. I would love an upset. Absolutely. It would be fun. You know what's so great about March Madness, though, is that no matter what, like everyone wants their bracket to win, of course, and like to pick the right right teams, and right. especially to pick the winner even just overall. But I love it when, when Cinderella teams appear, and I, I love it when upsets happen. Like, in all honesty, I hope every, I hope every matchup is an upset. Like, it just it's so <laughs> great to see yeah. the underdog win it all. Whoa, Nick, your video, uh, video went away for a second. That was weird. Um, okay, so on to the next game here. So six-seeded Kentucky, the Wildcats versus 11-seeded Providence. I've got Kentucky. Oh, man, you guys are going to like this one. I picked Kentucky. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. No, definitely Kentucky. If, if Kentucky, Kentucky doesn't make it, it's a slap in the face to them. They get – all of the top end picks every single year, almost. I know Duke has taken it a couple of years, but they've rebounded um, the last few to take the best of the best. And so if you can't beat, uh, I, they've had a down year, but if you can't win in the first round with all of that talent, then you didn't deserve to be there. And so I picked them for chalk. I didn't even look into the game. Uh, I apologize for that. If, if, that's just one team that I expect with you better win the first round just so we're clear i don't apologize for not studying because it's march madness and it doesn't matter how much you study you're gonna be wrong right. oh <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but i wonder but Cal- the average percentage that people are right in it well there's yeah. always every single year there's always uh there's of course uh for those who don't know in the podcast world the bracket busters when someone picks a team uh whether it be a usually it's a higher seated team uh, to get to a certain point in the tournament or even to win it all. 
and they lose and it, and it basically destroys their bracket. It's called the bracket buster is what it's called. Um, but it's, but no, I want to say there's been years usually till about, I can't, I don't know what the farthest it's gone, but there's always that. Cause there's a, there's a, a contest. I think it's through ESPN, I believe either. I want to say, but it's, we're basically oh, the perfect per- bracket. The thing, perfect right? bracket. Yeah. So if you have that, you win like a million dollars or something like that kind of yeah, thing. But Warren no Buffett. Ever... It's Warren and, Buffett who fronts the bill or whatever. Oh, but it's it's never no one's ever won. But there's oh. there's been people that have come close. And when I say close, I mean like you know, like I want to say like to the Sweet Sixteen, maybe kind of thing. But and I, maybe the Elite Day, but I, I don't. But at the same time, I'm not uh, I'm not even sure of that we'd have to look it up. So. So I can't remember what the picks were, but like three of um, three of my picks last year uh, were ridiculous and I got them and they happened. Like I was one of the last, uh, not one of the last, but I made it really deep with like having most of my bracket done. I was pretty proud of that. So, hey, <laughs> real quick for this, for these last uh, three games of, in this, in the East region, let's do a rapid fire. Three like seed Kansas state versus 14 seed Montana state. I got Kansas state. Kansas state. Montana State. Oh, snap. Upset. Conference champ rolling in hot. There you go, yeah. baby. Uh, next next game, seven seed of Michigan State versus 10 seed USC. I took USC. Oh, I like it. I went SC as well. I, I got to roll with Coach Izzo, man. He is a proven commodity amongst coaching. Great at coaching. Uh, does have a underperforming team. They're not uh, playing but, good defense uh, this year. That is true. That is true. He's and that's usually, his game. that's usually the staple. That's the staple of his teams. And this year's defense, not as good. They've been falling yeah. off, man. He's not He's not what he once was. He's an old commodity. He should but, just, I, but I will say their offense, this, you know, and then getting in the tournament, being hot and having the ability to be hot is, is key components in being able to last. Even because sometimes the better team doesn't win. It's the team that's hotter and has the – the higher ceiling to be able to produce there. Right. The Spartans are great offense. Uh, they're a juggernaut in it. They have terrific hot, uh, three point shooting. And so to me, it's, uh, I, I think M- MSU. Yeah. So then the next one, two seated Marquette versus 15 seated Vermont. Definitely going with Marquette. Marquette. I think Marquette has a team that could go all the way to the final four. I like it. All right, so we're on to the West region then. Uh, so in my round of 32 for the first one, I've got one-seeded Kansas versus eight-seeded Arkansas. I've got Kansas moving on. Uh, Kansas as well. Yeah, definitely Kansas. Okay. Uh, next next game, I've got, uh, after the 12-5 upset, I've got VCU versus UConn. 12-seeded uh, VCU versus four-seeded UConn. I've got UConn moving on. Yeah, me too. I mean, sixth in BPI, uh, VCU is has not really played anybody. Um, I think Connecticut is their UConn's a strong team. They're gonna they're gonna go on. They're gonna win. VCU over for VCU. Oh my! Oh goodness. baby! Yep, there it is. Okay, all right. And then uh, uh, next game, we got. I have six. Six seeded uh, TCU versus three seeded Gonzaga. I've got Gonzaga dancing in the Sweet Sixteen. Agreed. Yeah. No point to add anything. Yep. All right. And then we've got the last one of the West Region. Seven. I've got seven seeded Northwestern versus two seeded UCLA. I've got UCLA moving on. 
Yeah. It's going to be interesting for UCLA because they have a, I believe it was a guard that tore his ACL. And so that's going to be a limitation for them to make a deep run. But for now, they survive. Move on. So, David, real quick, um, you're kind of the wordsmith of the group, I would say. You like to write, right? Yeah. Is it a thesaurus that you use to find other words that mean the same thing as this word that you're using? Yes. Like different synonyms of a word? Yeah. 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 So when you look up UCLA, do you know what else is there? What? (laughs) Soft. (laughs) (laughs) Runners also there as well. Um, They're going to come up against a tough number 10 seed Boise State, and they are going to fall to the Broncos as the Broncos make a miraculous run this week 16. Wow. Matt, if that goes down, like – Matt, if that goes, here, boys. Matt, yeah. If that goes down, I'll buy a Rogers Jets jersey. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Here now, guys. I'm gonna throw out a stat for you guys. Since 2015, number two seeds are nine and one against ten seeds. The only defeat came in last year when Miami knocked off Auburn in the second round. So it looks like with Matt's prediction, they will be nine and two. Wow. Crazy. All right. So now we're going to move on to the East region. Uh, so I've got the, the first matchup, one-seeded Purdue versus eight-seeded Memphis. And I took Purdue to move on. This one I actually feel bad for. Memphis is a team I actually – they got seeded disrespect. They were disrespected with their seeding. It was unfortunate. They're a better team than uh, that could have made a run, but you just happened to run into Purdue straight out of the gate in the second round, and so Purdue wins it. Uh, feel bad for Memphis. Matt? Yeah. yeah, Purdue for sure. I thought Nick was going to say he felt bad because his alma mater wasn't going to make it. It's going to be like, man, I said some bold things. That's real bold, but <laughs> you did not hear that here. Right, right. <laughs> and it's crazy though. Like it's it's speaking of the seeding thing, just real quick, it's it's uh I think you made a good point, Nick, because it's sad sometimes where you see certain teams that I, I mean it is what it is. You get your schedule what your schedule is, just as like in the and it, your conference is what your conference is, but in the tournament, I mean it can make or break you. I mean, because there's sometimes where yeah, there's teams that you know have a have pretty good matchups or what have you, but there's other times where it's an absolute gauntlet, there's no question to have to be able to make it through kind of deal. So uh, even last year when, uh, when, because uh, uh, UNC made it to the championship game last year. Am I right on that? Because they lost to Kansas. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, even their run to the, to, to the championship uh, was nuts. I mean, they, they played some hard teams to get there. I mean, it's, so, I mean, they, so sometimes that's, that's just, you know, the way the cookie crumbles, I guess, but um, it is what it is. So yeah, Purdue moving on. Uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I like that's that. Right. Slid that in there pretty smooth. I like it. <laughs> uh, next one, interesting game here for Nicolas. Uh, I've got five seated Duke versus four seated Tennessee. Do you want me to take this first? Yeah, oh, sure, Nick. I am going to officially mark it down as the uh, the upset in the second round. Duke will beat Tennessee. 
Uh, and I have it be- only because of the injury to their guard, uh, Zakia Ziegler, I believe. Um, the the Tennessee is uh, has one of the, the nation's elite defenses, but Duke has a very uh, aggressive and huge team that offensively rebounds, defensively rebounds, uh, has had their own injuries throughout the year in their guards that have come back strong. They're on a hot streak. I think that Tennessee goes down. I agree. I, I did pick Duke beating, uh, upsetting Tennessee right here. You know, yeah. it's funny. I don't have an upset in this round, mostly because I've got Tennessee beating number 12 Oral Roberts. So uh, <laughs> that's right. Okay. You make it. That's right. Your other 12 5 upset was uh, yeah. Oral Roberts beating Duke. That's the, right. The other, other 12 5. I hope that doesn't, I, I don't even want to get on the podcast anymore if that happens. <laughs> <The> Come <comment laughs> and confront. <laughs> Matt and that bold prediction as the entire podcast. You, you don't like, want to yeah. deal with my smugness, man. You have. You yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I welcome it. the fact that you would boldly be like, "Yeah, I didn't study. I'm just picking with my heart." And then you hit that. That I mean, I'd have to give you a standing yeah. ovation for that one. <laughs> you know. All right. So that basically puts us at uh, the next game, uh, the second to last game of the East Region. Six. I have six seeded Kentucky against three-seeded Kansas State, and I've got Kansas State moving on. I'll, I'll go next. Uh, I had Kentucky actually winning this because of my 14-3 upset in the first round. Kentucky ends up with a pretty sweet path uh, on my my bracket. They, they're going to face number 14 Montana State in the second round. Uh, they're going to win that. Um, and then I have them picking or they're fighting uh, USC in the sweet 16. And so, wow. you know, I mean, they've got a pretty sweet little path to get themselves uh, to the lead eight. And I think they're going to do it. Nick. I have an upset here as well. Um, I have Kentucky beating Kansas state in this game. Uh, uh, Kentucky is one of the, the better uh, rebounding teams and and scoring in the paint um, this year. Uh, Kansas State, uh, while they do play a stellar defense um, and they do have uh, Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel, they turn the ball over at a crazy high rate and they struggle in transition um, to really just not being in sync and just sloppy turnovers. They have ended the season. Um, I don't think they ended the season uh, very well as um, as well. I I, I can't. Uh, I didn't write anything down, but I I have I started to write something. But anyways, I have Kentucky actually winning this game um, as an as a six three upset. Gotcha. Okay. Well. I guess the next one here, the last one would be actually that was the last one. I'm sorry. Or no, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't. I Whoa. was sorry. Whoa. My bad. My bad. Slow <laughs> your roll, bro. I was looking at the. Uh, I was accidentally looking at this. Uh, the Sweet Sixteen. It's the so, one yes. I'm looking forward to the most, man. Ten seated. Yeah, I well, I have ten seated USC versus two seated Marquette. I think Matt has the same, and I believe Nick, you've got Michigan State versus Marquette. Is that right? I do. 
So I've got two seated Marquette beating ten seated USC. Okay. And then. The seed ten seed upsets Marquette makes it to the Sweet Sixteen. I think for the third tournament in a row. Dang. I got it. You heard it here. It's easy to be bold when you can just throw things on a paper. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's an interesting stat for you. Number two seeds are seven and eight against seven seeds in the past seven tournaments. What about ten seeds? Um, I have not looked that up. I'm just curious. Um, uh, <laughs> Probably I, a little bit better for the two seed would be my guess. Let me actually let me actually look that up. Give me a here. All right. No, nope, not very good. They are not very good. They're not good. <laughs> uh, I I have uh, Michigan State losing to Marquette. Marquette is gonna is one of those teams. They they remind me of the Phoenix Suns of the NBA. They are a crazy high tempo team. They can slow things down incredibly on defense. They are on an incredible hot streak entering the tournament. Marquette could be a team that reaches the Final Four. And if things go their way, could reach the championship game. So, if Matt, if you hit on that one, we're going to have to come up with some side bets on some of these games that you pick. Because if they do hit, it's uh, it's a genius level that, I mean, you would just puff out your chest. And there's got to be something on these games that we put. Oh, it, trust it, it me. It. Trust Man. me, we'll puff out the chest. Okay. Well, well first of all, so, so, well, seven – when when it comes to seven versus ten, the seven versus ten seed matchup, I mean it's so typically two horrible. versus ten. Two no, I know. I, I'm just why well, no? I'm just saying seven versus ten because you said ten would USC would upset Michigan State. So, oh, oh since, yeah, yeah. Since 2010, the ten seed is eighteen and twenty six in the first round. Um, but as for a seven versus a two, Nick, did you find anything on that? Yeah, there's seven and eight good. in the last seven uh, tournaments. Ouch. 500 that's actually just under 500 i take those off yeah that's true that's true it's not a lock it's a coin flip like it's possible that's right right. you guys ready to roll into our quick takes we're going to try to quick today or do you got one more yeah no i was gonna say that pretty much wraps up the into the our first and second round of our of our brackets uh next podcast we'll be discussing uh, a little bit of a recap of the first second round as well as um our picks for the sweet 16 and the elite eight so but yep on to quick take so who's going first i'll go first um so mine's going to be nfl free agency weird we haven't talked football pretty much the whole pod we mentioned the packers once um but i thought what a fitting free agency pickup uh the raiders pick up jacoby myers who happens to actually be one of the most I don't know, had the most important offensive uh, possession for the Raiders all last year uh, as the guy playing for the Patriots who fumbled the ball and gave up the game. Um, I thought that was hilarious. Of all the places, Jacoby Myers goes to the team that he coughed up that game for, and you got to start wondering at this point, is it collusion? Is it, like, what's going on here? Dang. Like yeah. that's just crazy. Like I, I like thinking about that. Just like how that. I mean, I mean, there's been some insane. Uh, there's been some crazy pickups so far 
uh, in the uh, the free agency frenzy of the NFL uh, that we've seen so far in this negotiating period. Because tomorrow, uh, technically, free agency in the new league year begins. What well, ends and begins uh, at two p.m. Pacific um, Pacific time uh, tomorrow. Yeah, on Wednesday. So. But yeah, that I, I, when I just cannot believe that, like in my head, I remember Matt when you talked about uh, our quick takes. I was just like, like, wait, I don't understand. Like, what's the point of Jacoby Myers? The key offensive player for the Raiders all last season played for the other team. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they gave him a little sweet like deal on that. They're like, hey, we appreciate what you did. Let's let's give you a little bonus. Right. Shoot. <laughs> which hey by the way um which i we can talk about free agency recap some you know next episode or uh, yeah. what happened because obviously there'll be less games to talk about or less games to to predict for the for the ncw tournament right but but um but yeah i mean there's been definitely been some, there's gonna definitely be some things to talk about that's for sure so a lot of good stuff um, seahawks picked up a d tackle i'm actually pretty excited about that yep yep um, and also, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Lions just signed uh, David Montgomery. I did see that. Oh. Good pickup for them, I think. Yeah, unfortunately. Anyways, who's next? Right. Would you like me to go next, Nick? Yeah, I did. Go for it. Okay. Um, so my quick take is going to be about the potential or alleged, rather, rift between Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe. Which after the uh, the World Cup final between Argentina and France, um, Lionel Messi and 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 uh, well Messi and Mbappe supposedly even before then had a bit of a a rift between them. There was talks that they just did not get along, that there was some type of uh, issues between them. Uh, but obviously they were very much heightened and very uh, intensified after the loss in the World Cup uh, for Mbappe. Even to the point where it's been reported that uh, initial when uh, that Messi obviously took some time off um, from Paris Saint Germain, that the team that they both play on um, in the Champions League, and when he came back to to see the team, the team was there, like you know, obviously applauding him and you know being very supportive and everything for him and all this jazz, and then all of a sudden, uh, guess who wasn't there when he got in, which he knew he was coming in. But uh, Mbappe actually took a trip to New York, uh, to the good old USA, and was uh, doing some touring, uh, some uh, hangout time over there while uh, while Messi was uh, being essentially, you know, applauded by his teammates for his victory. Which, you know, uh, they've come out. Uh, even Messi actually has come out and said that there is no rift, uh, that they do, you know, t- uh, obviously uh, have a, you know, our, our teammates and and they. And they respect each other, and, they, and they, you know he has nothing against Mbappe, and that is basically that's just not true. That they are very much uh, that there, there's there essentially is no rift because he, he's even said um, he, he uh, went on the record and said that after the game he said we talked about the game, the celebrations, how people had lived in Argentina in those days that had been, that had been on vacation, and the festivities we had, and nothing, nothing more, but good, really good. Is what he said, and and he even mentioned he was on the he's been on the other side too, uh, you know, of losing a World Cup and and not you know not getting there, especially Messi of all people when it comes to like the the struggles he he's had you know in in his career when it comes to finally getting that monkey off his back 
which was, you know, winning the World Cup, because that's uh, when it comes to the legacy of Messi, that was the one thing that he did not have uh, that he that he always wanted, that every player wants, especially these iconic superstars kind of deal. But um, but no, I just thought it was really interesting, especially considering they both play each other, two superstars. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Mbappe, I mean, and uh, and Messi being on the same team isn't quite the intense thing. I mean, Mbappe is what, Matt, 24 years old, I think. Yeah. 24 yeah. year old kid. I mean, obviously the up and coming, up and coming superstar. Uh, and then you've got, you know, the, 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 the passing of the guard, you've got, you know, uh 30 plus, uh, I think he's like what 35, yeah. 35 year old Messi who's obviously towards the end of his career that can still play, but you know, he's got less years ahead, definitely less years ahead of him than, than behind him. Um, but yeah, it's quite the, it's, it's quite the thing. Like when I, when I read about that, which, you know, kind of find, I mean, for those that don't know, I mean, talk about, putting together superstar teams, but Neymar is on the same team. So you've got Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi on the same team, um, Paris Saint-Germain, which is insane. And uh, how many championships have they won, Matt? Uh, Champions Leagues? Zero. Yeah. Zero. So really quick, like that, that club was bought, I don't know, 10 years ago by the Saudis, right? And they've pumped money into it, and it's like a big deal in football. We've talked about it a little bit with uh, Man City as well, but They've pumped a billion dollars into this thing, and they have come out with zero Champions League uh, victories. Uh, they played in one final, lost it. Um, they've got Neymar, right? We mentioned Neymar's on that team. He's one yeah. of the big stars of the world, too. And it seems like every year he's injured at this point when it gets serious in the Champions League. You mean for Neymar? Um, yeah. And so yeah, he always he, ends up missing out. Yeah, because he hurt his ankle in a in a matchup. I can't uh, remember the name of the team, the, who they were playing, but um, but yeah, he hurt his ankle, so he didn't play in, in that game. I was watching the other day, uh, which was the the game essentially that they got eliminated in, yeah. uh, where Paris Saint Germain was playing uh, Bayern Munich. Yeah, because uh, because in the Championships League that's going on right now, uh, I think the teams that are left in the uh, the at least in the uh, in the essentially the final eight in the quarterfinals is yeah. Chelsea, Man City, Bayern Munich, uh, Inter Milan, Milan. Uh, I, I think it's called Benfica. I'm not sure. Benfica. 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 Wow, I totally f messed that up. It's all right, it's Portuguese. Benfica, so uh, Benfica, and then tomorrow actually will be the final two games uh, of the second leg, is what they call it. Uh, for uh, it'll, be, it'll either be Real Madrid or Liverpool. Which more than likely would be Real Madrid because they're actually five two ahead right now. Yeah, it don't look and good then, for Liverpool. It doesn't. And then the other one is actually a lot closer, but uh, Nap- uh, Napoli and uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, oh, so- nice! You nailed that one. That's good. Yes. Um, hey, so really quick, David, I did want to say one thing. Since you're a Yankees fan, I think this is a great analogy, right? So PSG is kind of known as like, like you remember the Yankees, Nick? Like back in like the height of the Steinbrenner era where like they were known for just buying the top talent all across the league, no matter what, it doesn't matter how much it costs. Right. Oh, absolutely. That's, and that's kind of how PSG's kind of looked at. And one of the things, you know, when you just buy a bunch of talent and throw it together is it don't always work well together. Right. And so, I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing on this. So you look at PSG, Look at Man City, who I think you want to talk about in, for a moment as well, right, David? I do. Yeah. Um, so you look at those two clubs that have just injected stupid funds into their into their programs, and they're having success in their local leagues, 
but um or their domestic leagues but you know it doesn't always it's not always best players get you all the results it's kind of interesting how that works and that's and that doesn't just apply to to soccer. I mean, that applies to any sport, the NFL to basketball. I mean, especially in the NBA. I mean, just because you got stars put together doesn't mean they're going to win. I mean, can they play together? Can they put their egos aside with the team? And initially, that was the problem. Even with the three of them coming together, uh, but well, actual uh, Messi joined them. But even then, I mean, it's just one of those things that they definitely have uh, have done quite well for sure. But when it comes when it matters most especially just recently, obviously without Neymar even, but I mean, even with Mbappe, I remember watching that game and it was just like, Oh my gosh, it's crazy. But, but no, um, what I wanted to highlight also was, was man city. I mean, uh, a great Norwegian brother of ours, uh, Erling, Erling Holland, Erling Holland. That's right. Erling Holland scoring five goals today for man city. They won seven, nothing, seven to freaking nothing. Okay. Not not two, not three, <laughs> not four, but five. But he scored five goals. That's I mean, crazy. absolutely insane. And then actually, I was I was reading an article about it today, actually, about, about him. And there's a possibility that PSG might go after him as well. Could you imagine? I mean, gracious sakes. I mean, which made me wonder about the whole, like, you know, like the financial situation with, uh, with uh, the Champions League and with uh, – and it just – it just – it just – with UEFA and everything, it just it's just crazy to think that on one team you could literally have Neymar, Messi, Mbappe, and and Holland. That would just be insane. I mean, well, good crazy. chance Messi's leaving at the end of this year. Sounds pretty yeah. likely he could end up coming to MLS for Inter Miami. In which case, road trip. We're going to watch Messi at some point. Oh no, one thousand percent. That's happening. Yeah, yeah if, I don't care how good he is. I gotta go watch Messi once. It's messy. I mean, yeah. it's just like when uh, David Beckham came to the United States to MLS. I mean, it's back. You, you bigger. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, it's, there, it's he's a star. You gotta watch him. So, all righty, Nick, you up? Yeah. So I'm gonna pull back a bit away from sports, and I'm going to my quick take is gonna dive into Brendan Fraser who recently won Best Oscar um, in a leading role for his movie, uh, The Well. And uh, I wanted to briefly talk about his history. He is one of the most beloved and actors of the 90s that had incredible uh, in-depth roles with dialogue uh, that was enriching, in, as well as having action-packed movies in The Mummy, uh, the Mummy franchise to that saw him kind of skyrocket to the, the, you know, the, the highest of highs in the acting uh, industry. And then he just kind of fell off the map. And years later, he ended up coming out the fact of, of sexual assault uh, within producers and uh, high ups, kind of almost like an Epstein, you know, or, or situation that uh, forced him down a dark, uh, and depressive uh, route of vulnerability, um, having a lack of power in an industry where higher ups control your uh, career. And he lost his career. And he's one of the, the people that has resurfaced in this movie, The Well, and it is uh, one of the most beautiful, cringy, and human movies that I have seen in a long time. The movie depicts Charlie, he is a uh, mortally obese uh, 
person that suffers from tremendous grief in his life and through his own choices, uh, through that destruction of, uh, of grief, he decides to, and kind of like eats his life away and, uh, you know, ends up growing to have congested uh, heart failure and uh, he doesn't have long to live. And so it's his battle of, of connecting with the people around him, of trying to forgive himself, trying to find meaning in, and in a way, God, uh, through hate, uh, confusion in what uh, was taken from him, as well as reconnecting with his daughter and kind of starting a new life at the end of his life in showing his students because he is an online teacher that does not show his face due to him being ashamed of his obesity. And it is a very hard movie to watch. It shows a lot of content that many people may not like, uh, many people are gonna feel uncomfortable about, but in the, the complex and diversity of what, not only America, but what the world is, whether it's what you believe in, what you're going through, what has happened, grief, love, uh, religion, everything. It uh, really showcases the complexity that we live in. Um, and at the end, it was such an emotional, emotional movie for me to watch. And uh, I had to almost give him a, a standing ovation in his betrayal of this character, even though nobody could see me, obviously. And uh, he ended up getting actually a standing ovation from his fellow actors uh, for his portrayal in, of this character in this movie. And uh, he ended up winning best Oscar and his Oscar speech while, you know, very short was, you could, you could see sense the struggle that he had went through in his personal career uh, in his own life and the the gratitude that he has of, of being able to do this once more and uh, it was just it's uh, even though a very simplistic speech it was beautiful in itself and i recommend anybody watching this however i will say it is a very hard movie to watch the director of this movie um who is uh darren aronofsky um, yes uh darren aronofsky uh, brilliant in his own way. He shot the movie in a in a box form to restrict you, to give you a almost like a self evident uh, restriction to to feel what an obese person that never leaves their home due to the fact that they can't walk anymore, that they can barely move and they can't live a normal life as we do. Uh, the sound, uh, the cinematography, and the way it's shot, everything is uh is painful it's painful to watch and uh you know we all struggle with things in life and every story no matter if you're a top end athlete or you know you're working a nine to five or whatever we all struggle with whether it's you know emotional disorders or just grief in 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 general uh childhood trauma things that we have to soldier on and I think this is a beautiful movie that depicts that very thing. And even through all of that, 
we all dream to make a difference. We all dream to be able to connect with people and to have a purpose in life. And so you not only see his demise, but you see his positivity and um, his positivity in trying to reconnect with his daughter because of the choices that he made, which were wrong. And he admits that they're wrong. He tries to venture forward to reconnect and to salvage a relationship with his daughter uh, who has every right to, to decline um, any, any uh, relationship with him due to his choices. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's man, it's a hard movie to watch, but I do recommend people watch it. Uh yeah, I, I just wanted to highlight Brendan Fraser and just say, welcome back. I can't wait for your next movie. And uh, he's one of those actors that I grew up with that, you know, I envisioned myself as the mummy. I was I was that lead character saving the world. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that he's back and, and cannot wait for his deep and enriching movies that he comes up with next. So Brendan Fraser, love you. And uh Congratulations. Big uh, Brendan Fraser fans on this pod, as we know. It's, oh, yeah. It's yeah. You know, it's interesting, Nick. Um, so last week, we I dropped a little, um, what would you call that? A little philosophy quote right at the end. And I wanted to do that again. And it's so interesting that we ended with what you talked about. Because um, my little phrase that I had that I want to share was from Soren Kierkegaard. And it says, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And uh, that Ooh, perspective, I think, is good, right? And it's actually really yeah. interesting, kind of with the, the perspective of what you had in that movie and just thinking about where you're at and can't go backwards. You can understand backwards, but you got to live forwards. And, you know, it's I love it. We, yeah, uh, it's great that you had that. Yeah, right. It fits together. It's almost like we planned it, but we didn't. It's cool yeah. how that works out. Um, fun pod, deep finish. I love doing this with you guys. Uh, Peace out. Yeah. Thanks. Peace out. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.